The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Welcome to the Viking Age Podcast, part of the Fansided Podcast Network. Now, please welcome your host, Adam Patrick. All right, welcome to the Viking Age Podcast, the official podcast for thevikingage.com. I'm your host, Adam Patrick. I'm the editor and lead writer for The Viking Age. Before we get started, make sure to follow The Viking Age on Twitter and Facebook. The site's username on Twitter is at The Viking Age. And you can follow the site's Facebook page by heading to facebook.com slash The Viking Age. All right, on today's show is Ben Gessling from the Star Tribune. He covers the Vikings for the Star Tribune. And he is also one of the co-hosts for the Access Vikings podcast. So he came on. We talked about the recent release of Riley Reef. We talked about the recent release of uh, Dan Bailey. And we talked about Kirk Cousins, of course, and plenty more. Uh, this was recorded on Wednesday. So just keep that in mind if there's anything that's timely, but I don't think there should be. But uh, that's enough for me. So let's just get right into it. Here is my conversation with Ben Gessling of the Star Tribune. <laughs> All right, joining the show today is Ben Gessling. Ben covers the Vikings for the Star Tribune, and he is also one of the co-hosts of the Access Vikings podcast. So thank you for joining the show today, Ben. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. No problem. So, okay, so some pretty big Vikings news went down today when they decided to actually release Riley Reef, their starting left tackle for the last four seasons. So, have you heard anything about why this happened? Because just the other day, it seemed like there were reports of the Vikings and Reef trying to rework his contract to keep him around for next season. So what do you think happened maybe during these last few days to change that? Yeah, I, I think they were trying to get something done. My sense of it is that <clears throat> Reef probably looked at the market and, and the left tackle market is not terribly robust. It, it's basically... Trent Williams and now him at the top of it. Mm -hmm. So I think if you're him, you're looking at it saying, well, I had a good year and I, I answered some questions, at least durability wise. He, he was as healthy as he's been in quite a long time to the point where he hadn't missed a snap before that last game. So it was not a bad time for him to say, Hey, I could, I could go out and try to, to, get some money. Now that part of it, I think surprised, certainly surprised me. And I think surprised the people in the building from some of the conversations I had today. I think they thought there was a good chance that he'd stay around in the sense that 
he has liked it here. He has liked uh, the type of scheme they're playing. It's it's as close to home as he's going to get in South Dakota. So I think there was a lot of people that thought we will do this and at least have him for another year or two and you kind of see what you have after that. But uh, I, my sense would be that he had at least the belief that there may be a better deal out there for him on the market. And you know, sometimes with these things, it seems like it's basically it, the team has a price and, and the player has a price. And it's always just a question of, is there ground in the middle? And on this one, apparently there was not. Any chance he comes back? Do you think that it's just, they're done with that? I, I think there's a possibility. Sure. I mean, if, if it, if we get a couple of weeks into free agency and he doesn't have a market and they are still, uh, if they have the space to do something, I mean, that would be the other question, I guess. Is mm-hmm. They're not going to go in with a ton of space where they may just, you know, they're not going to be able to sign two or three guys yeah. in free agency and then have the room to go do something else, at least for the time being. But yeah, if, if there's, if it's such that he doesn't have a market, I think that's a possibility. I, I'm assuming, like I say, I think he's betting that he will. But with this market and the number of players in his sort of class, I guess, age and kind of level he's at, it, it could, it's possible that he's going to get squeezed. We'll have to see. I, I don't think it would be um, something where there's no chance of him coming back. It, it's just uh, I think we'll have to see how that shakes out for him in the market. So any guesses on what the Vikings will do to replace Reef in the starting lineup? You know, maybe, I don't, they, Ezra Cleveland was a left tackle in, in college, and then they, yeah. he moved him to right guard, so maybe they can move him over or bring in a free agent or even use one of their top draft picks this year. So what do you think the Vikings will, will do at left tackle now? Well, I mean, the other scenario I would throw out there would be Brian O'Neill, yeah. who's obviously been the right tackle, and he's been quite good over there. I think you could certainly make the case that you keep him over there both because they like to run the ball to that side and he's been a very good run blocker and uh, you have a lot of teams that have dynamic pass rushers on that side of the line including the Vikings when Daniel Hunter is healthy so you can make that case but if you feel like we need a left tackle that we know what we're getting and we can trust him I think that certainly would be a, a scenario they're going to take a long look at it. I, Ezra Cleveland is an option the, the thing I that would give me a little bit of pause. I think about that is we could be looking at another off season where players are not on the field to the degree that we're used to. Yeah. I, I think the, you know, Demora Smith has said that, that and I think Roger Goodell has hinted at that, that the virtual off season could be part of it again. And maybe, you know, some of that's going to, I think depend on how quick players get vaccinated, but I don't think the NFLPA is in any hurry to bring players back into 10 week OTA type programs. So it's good for players because they get less time to put wear and tear on their bodies and they don't, they have longer off seasons, but it, it does mean in this type of a case that you have a guy like Ezra Cleveland who has not played a snap at left tackle has not had a preseason game to try it out and then would not have as much of an off season. So I think that type of a scenario would make that a little bit more difficult, but I, I don't think they're ruling it out. I, I think O'Neill, for some of those reasons, may make a little more sense at this point. But then you got to figure out that spot too. So, um, as usual, with the Vikings, the offensive line is uh, is a need. Lots, you can't think it too fun. many times recently where it hasn't been. Lots of fun. Uh, and I think O'Neill played left tackle when he was at uh, Pittsburgh, so he wouldn't be totally yeah. foreign to uh, to 
that position. So the Vikings have now cut Riley Reef, Kyle Rudolph, and Dan Bailey uh, in the first 10 days of March. Uh, and they, you know, they decided they're not going to re-sign Chris Jones. That was a, another huge surprising move that they yeah. tried to make. Uh, do you think these three will be the biggest names to be let go uh, for the Vikings this offseason? And if not, who do you think might be out the door next for the Vikings? I, I tend to think that they will. I mean, Anthony Barr would be the other one, I think, mm-hmm. to keep an eye on. I, I don't see that happening, though. I just – maybe I'll you know, be eating my words on that in a week yeah. here. But um, if you just – if you look at the history with Anthony mm-hmm. Barr, every time they've kind of been at an inflection point with him, they have said, this is our guy. I mean, when they, they take him ninth overall, which I think is higher than probably a lot of people thought, he was going to go in that draft, especially for a team that plays a 4-3. They saw a role for him and said, we're going to make him the sort of first big investment, at least in terms of the draft, on the defense. And then you fast forward to 2019. I've, I've said it, and I'll say it again. They went into that season after they signed Kirk Cousins, believing that they were not going to be able to sign both Eric Kendricks and Anthony Barr. They had that big class of free agents to be that included mm-hmm. Kendricks. It was well, everybody in that 2015 draft class. It was so mm-hmm. good. The uh, Kendricks Hunter Diggs, uh bar is in that group. Cause he had the fifth year option for 2014, but all of those guys are in that group and they're sitting there saying, we have all these players hitting free agency at the same time. We can't afford them all. From what I've been told, they said, okay, we are going to sign Eric Kendricks and we will, if we have to have a guy that, that leaves, it's Anthony Barr. But then Anthony Barr gets the verbal agreement with the Jets and then decides to have second thoughts about that. And then the Vikings jump back in, probably paying him more money than they were ever planning to pay him. So, you know, that's another situation where when they had the chance to say, okay, um, go take your money elsewhere, we'll move on or say, okay, we're going to give you the big deal. They decided we're going to give you the big deal. I, I think they feel like for what he does in their defense and the matchup problems that he creates, even if the numbers aren't, terribly splashy all the time he's valuable in that regard and i think they also feel like just the presence he is on that defense in terms of helping guys get set and uh, making adjustments before the snap i I think they feel like they missed that a lot so i would tend to think that he's going to be here and i think now that they have cut riley reef i think they can make that more financially viable i the other move i would keep an eye on would be an extension for harrison smith i think there's a clear some space with that but um short of that i i guess i don't think that they're going to be in a spot where they make another big splash move to cut a player well a lot of people have been wondering about shamar stefan because yeah um, he's that. not been very productive but the vikings seem to love him too they do uh <laughs> that that and that's another one where I, I think they I think they almost relish that to some degree that they mm-hmm. see him so differently that I, I think they feel like the evaluations of him that are based on metrics like uh, tackles and sacks mm-hmm. and, and and there's obviously more advanced metrics than that but then um, you just with the eye test I mean they, mm-hmm. they had a lot of mm-hmm. trouble stopping the run and I think some mm-hmm. of that is just he's not the guy that's going to be able to shut everything down at the point of attack like Linval Joseph has been or Michael Pierce, but mm-hmm. they, they do like him a lot and I, I could see it. I mean, it, it's, it's a $5 million cap number and that's mm-hmm. an awful lot for a guy that I would assume they're going to have to look at either 
supplementing with a high pick in the draft or replacing, assuming he's your three technique tackle and Michael Pierce is back. So, yeah, I could see that one. I, I, I suppose that's probably still splashy, I guess, if, yeah. if they were to cut him. So we can uh, kind of discuss the definition there. But I also could see a scenario where they say we're keeping this guy because yeah. we like what he does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, Andre Patterson's a big fan. Mike Zimmer's a big fan. So I think that carries a lot of weight. What does he, does he have a, how many years left on his deal? Do you, do you know off the top of your head? Uh, I believe it is just this last one. I think it was a three year deal initially. So yeah, this is, this is the last one that could also be something where, um, Maybe you come to him and say, "Hey, we we need a little bit of money back from here." I I guess I wouldn't be stunned with that, especially if you feel like, I mean, if you try to get a million million and a half back from him, yeah. he may not get as much on the open market. I mean, that he would be a guy. I mean, he's going to be thirty this year, and that yeah. I guess that's that's hard to believe. But maybe that just means I've been on this beat a long time, and all this stuff yeah. is starting to run together. But um, he. You may be betting there that he would say, um, I don't think I can get this much in the open market. So right. sure, it's a familiar place. I he already, you know, went out on his own once came and back, decided yeah. to come back. So um maybe maybe that would be something they would try to do too. I, I could certainly see that. But yeah, the the uh, opinion of him certainly in that building is fairly high. <laughs> For whatever reason. Um yeah. all right, so so before today, yesterday was probably the biggest news of late when the Vikings decided to cut Dan Bailey. Yeah. Um, with this decision, the Vikings will now have next year, their fifth different week one kicker in the last six years. Yeah. Uh, so what in the world is going on? You know, is all this turnover with kickers due to bad luck, bad decisions, poor scouting? Is it Mike Zimmer? Is it lack of patience? You know, why can't the Vikings keep a kicker around for more than two full seasons? Yeah, I mean, it, boy, it's been it's been quite the bugaboo. I mean, it, <laughs> and it's it, we should point out that that's not just just in the Mike Zimmer era. There, there was uh, oh yeah, before that. Gary Anderson yeah. was like a word. Um, yes, <laughs> but but it has been a consistent problem in the Mike Zimmer era, and probably really since Ryan Longwell. I guess you know Blair Wall started off. Mm-hmm. They had a great rookie season and mm-hmm. um, was was pretty good for a lot of 13, although he started to have some hiccups at the end of that season too. But um, I, I, I would attribute it to a couple of things. I, I do think kicking from Mike Zimmer is a unique challenge. Mm-hmm. I, I think that it is a job that is very technical. It's a job that's very precise that it's like a golf swing. I mean, if you're, if any little thing goes off, you can start miss hitting and then you're, sort of mental composure can go with it pretty quickly. So I, I do think that is a challenge. I think <laughs> they have typically had special teams coaches who are more of the school of thought of, how would I say it, less of specialist focus type guys. They're, they're not necessarily experts in kicking, punting mechanics. They are football coaches that, have come to special teams and mm-hmm. coverage units, uh, field goal block units. Some of the, some of the things about blocking, tackling, spacing, angles, leverage that are more akin to the tasks in the rest of football. Those guys have had probably more of a background there. And of course, you're speaking about Mike Prefer and Marlon Malouf. Mm-hmm. Um, they have they tried the 
the kicking guru thing with Nate Kading that didn't really pan out and, mm-hmm. and COVID made that not really feasible this year either. But um, I, I think it's been, some of it has been kind of these special teams coaches that maybe your coordinators that maybe are a little bit that run a little bit hot and you have a head coach that certainly runs a little bit hot. I think a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. Um, <laughs> and I mean, Daniel Carlson <clears throat> looking back on it. I mean, I, I think at the time everybody kind of said, well, you got to cut him. This is mm-hmm. a game against your, your biggest rival in the division that you could have won that you didn't because of this. Um, this is a team that, it was thinking Super Bowl. I mean, that was 2018. That's after they signed Cousins. It's after the NFC title game. You figure you can't send that message to the locker room if you keep this guy around. But the response to that has been in two cases now Blair Walsh and Daniel Carlson, guys you drafted. Uh, you invested higher picks than a lot of teams do with kickers. And in the case of Blair Walsh, you paid him. And then it didn't work out. And then you got to go replace him with a veteran. That That is an expensive way to live at that position. And that brings us to Dan Bailey in the sense that he was due to make, I think it was 3.8 million against the cap this year, which is an awful lot for a kicker that Mm -hmm. you said you have to have because you want a veteran that can kind of um, exist in the blast furnace, so to speak. And uh, I think they liked that part about him, but he didn't have a good enough year last year, frankly, to, to merit that contract, especially in the tight cap situation they're in. So if you're not going to be able to go with the young guy that can work cheap, then you get in that boat a little bit and that tends to have its own drawbacks in terms of the money. Does Carlson get cut if Bailey isn't a free agent? Uh, that year? Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I still think he does. Yeah. I, I think they, <clears throat> I think they, cause I mean, if you remember that preseason too, it was, Oh yeah. Yep. Um, he missed the one at home in the yep. preseason. I distinctly remember asking Zimmer about that after the game, cause he went for two and I, oh, yeah. I, I asked the question, I think, in a way that was meant to, I, I said, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to give him a, a and I, this is, <laughs> I don't know that every journalism professor would, would recommend doing it this way, but I, I kind of said, well, I'm going to, I'm going to give him a, an out here. If uh-huh. I, I'm going to see if he takes it, because knowing sometimes that he won't <laughs> and he'll say uh-huh. what he thinks. I, as I asked him, were you trying to work on plays in your two point package to just see what they look like in the preseason? He said, Nope, that was to send a message. So mm-hmm. like, I'm gonna let him know that if he's not gonna make it, we're gonna go for two. And I'm thinking in the preseason. Uh, in the preseason yeah. That that's uh I mean it you can you can do it that way. I think his thought process is hey, if you can't handle a little bit of needling from me, then how are you gonna hold up if the NFC championship game's on the line and you're on the road and there's seventy thousand people screaming at you to miss it? So mm-hmm. I, I think that's a little bit of his thought process there. But even at that point, you could see it where it's like, I uh, don't know that Mike Zimmer and a young kicker are a great match for one another. So, yeah, I think he gets cut either way. I think it was just mm-hmm. <clears throat> the, the boat they were in that year. I, I just I think yeah. it's, it would have been a hard thing to come back from after that Green Bay game. Do you think he's underestimated maybe the importance of the kicking game, especially with the way that he you know likes to play games, you know, kind of keep him close? Not that he likes to keep him close, but that's just the way it works out with with low scoring games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there's something to that. I, I think he said it. Um, trying to think what year that was at the combine. He talked about that. It would have been, well, I suppose after 18 when he talked yeah. about bringing in a a kicking specialist as a as a coach. I mean, he he talked a lot about. I 
figured, well, how hard can this be? And, yeah. and I think that's some of it is that you have a lot of coaches like we're talking about that don't come at it from having a kind of native special teams background where they look at it and say, well, yeah, you got to kick, you got to punt, whatever. It's, it's a pretty simple task. How hard can it be? And he said at the combine that year that I didn't really realize how technical it is and how precise it has to be. I mean, you think about a long snapper, for example, and they've had their own issue, they've had issues there too, mm-hmm. but um, being able to repeat it down to the 10th of a second and have it be precise every single time is yes, it's less complex than reading coverages and being able to process things as you drop back or adjusting routes based on the leverage you're getting from a corner or whatever it would happen to be. But it is still a, a precise skill that you have to e- execute with a lot of precision and a lot of consistency when people are breathing down your neck. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I think he has underestimated it to some degree. And I, I think he has said that. I think you've learned from some of it. I'll be very curious to see what Ryan Ficken brings to that role as a special teams coordinator here, simply because there's a lot of people in that building that liked him. I think mm-hmm. they thought he could have gotten the job a couple of years ago and uh, may bring a little bit of a different temperament to it than uh, Mike Prefer or Marlon Maloof did. We interesting right. to see how that goes. Last thing on the kicking, because I. I don't want to talk about Vikings kickers anymore. <laughs> um, any Who chance does, they, son? yeah, any chance they go all in and maybe like try and trade for someone like Justin Tucker or, or Harrison <laughs> Butker or something like that? Like just try and just solve this problem, get it out of here, you know? Like just do away with it. I don't. I guess I don't see it. I, I think you, it's a it's a hard year to do that just yeah. financially. Oh yeah, for but, sure. But I think I mean, frankly, they thought they'd solved it with Dan Bailey. I mean, Dan yeah. Bailey was. The, I think statistically the most accurate kicker in league history at the time that they made the move and they got it done for a while. But then he did well in 2019. He did. Yeah, he had a very good year. In fact, ended up making himself some extra money by yeah. making 90 plus percent of his field goals, I think. But, um, you know, I, I, I just think, yeah, I mean, if you have Justin Tucker, then it's not typically not a problem. But right. <laughs> if there is a place that can test that theory. Yeah, that's true. Kicking for the Minnesota Vikings seems to be that place. <laughs> for sure. All right, moving on to someone else, Daniil Hunter. So recently he decided to like a few tweets yeah, that had to yeah. do with him getting traded to another team. Now, people would be like, oh, this is this is bo- like, who cares? He liked a couple of tweets. But the last tweet he liked was in December. So it's not like he's going out yeah. and, and liking all the tweets. Maybe someone like Cordell Patterson does. Right. Um, so there's been rumors swirling of Hunter wanting to get paid or paid more or be traded. Rick Spielman says he hasn't heard anything regarding this. It's Rick Spielman, so we don't know what's true and what's not. What do you make of Hunter's recent Twitter activity? You know, is it anything? Have you heard anything maybe about his apparent ultimatum to get paid or be traded? Yeah, I have. I mean, I, I think there is some smoke to him wanting to get paid. I, I have heard that sentiment. I mean, the NFL Network reported in October, I think, that yep. he yep. wanted to be the highest paid player in the league. And that, that kind of came out of nowhere. I think it was the day he decided to shut it down and have surgery. Yep. And, you know, I, I think somewhat driven in that decision was, hey, um, and a lot of players think this way. And it's fair. It's because their livelihood is their bodies. And um, <laughs> you only have one chance at it. But I think a lot of players think, hey, if, if you're not going to take care of me, I got to take care of myself. Mm-hmm. I got to make sure that I'm able to earn money further into my career than just this year because 
you know, once my, my playing days are over, I can't make this much money again. I mean, yes, they make an exorbitant amount of money. And if you manage it well, you're probably set for life. But you know, I've, I've had this conversation with a number of people in the business that are insightful about it that say, the thing you got to remember is that, you know, you and I don't have careers where our earning potential drops off at age 35 if we're lucky. I mean, no. it, we have another 25, 30 years to work. Or if you're Sid, you got like 75. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you, you do. And I have no, <laughs> I have no plans to challenge that. But yes, a, a normal work span, you would have a lot more time. Whereas mm-hmm. if you're a player, it, it's over by, like I say, 35. If you're yeah. lucky, you're, you, know, you get the occasional outlier to that. Most of them play quarterback or especially play quarterback for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Mm-hmm. But um, <laughs> that doesn't happen very often. So I think players often make these decisions thinking I got to take care of myself. And I do think that he's looking at his contract and saying, well, I was the fastest player in the league, in history of the league to get to 50 sacks. I have been a dominant defensive player for a number of years and I'm underpaid in my position. He's right. So I, I think there is some smoke behind that from what I've heard. I, my question will be, does he look at it and say, I want to take this thing to the wall because I can go somewhere else or is it? Yeah, Cause he can't really hold out anymore. Like players can't really hold out. Can they? No, they can't. I mean, it, that, that rule is a little bit different in when you're in the last year of your contract, which he is not. Right. Um, but you know, the, the whole thing we, we talked about with Dalvin cook last year doesn't apply to him necessarily, but mm-hmm. yeah, the, the fines would certainly still be there. And, and when he, we haven't seen him play since 2019, the, right. the, the thing that hurts his leverage is that the, that injury is not a hamstring. I mean, that's a, a pretty serious injury yeah. that could have, uh, you know, you can say, well, he's going to recover from it. It's fine. But I think anything when it's, when it's your neck in football is always going to be the back of somebody's mind if they're trying to make a decision to make a trade for you. So <clears throat> I, th- I think the question is going to be going forward, is the relationship I think the relationship between him and the Vikings typically has been very good. Okay. Um, did last year change that either in um, the contract stuff? I, I heard he wasn't terribly thrilled with uh, some of the leaks about just uh, kind of status updates on him throughout the season. Mm, the tweaks? Um, yeah, the, the leaks <laughs> about the tweaks or the lack of leaks about the tweaks mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, I, I've heard that he was not thrilled with that because he's been, you know, as, as you alluded to with the social media stuff, he's a fairly private guy. Yeah, he I, is. He's not a guy that likes to play a lot of these games. So, um, and even the, the nature of how that injury got diagnosed, I, I have mm-hmm. some things about that that make me raise my eyebrow a little bit. So, yeah, it did, it did um, take a little, little while for them to get that sorted out. It did. Um, I, I think both internally, it certainly took them a while to admit to it externally, but yeah. uh, I, I, I do think it took a little bit of time. And I, I, I have a lot of questions about how all of that went based on some of the information I've gathered and just kind of wondering how this will all go. So it's not something that I think is you know, broken beyond repair, but the nothing to see here approach is not necessarily the way i look at it especially uh given how things ended with the last guy to um sow some intrigue on social media regarding his future with the minnesota vikings yeah brandon bean did say he called the vikings because of that Diggs tweet 
after mm-hmm. uh, Cousins extension. So Twitter does have an impact, even if people don't yeah. want to believe it. Uh, what would you say the percentage chance, though, is of Hunter being on the Vikings uh, week one roster next season? <sighs> Boy, um, I I would still put it above 50. <laughs> above 50, okay. I think so. I I I still think that there's I, – I don't think it's a slam dunk. I, I guess I'd say – I'm going to sit right on the fence here and say about 60. Um, okay. I, I think, do you, do you say, wow, cause you think it's less than that or cause you think, well, I think it's, it's higher. I think it was like, I was thinking you're going to be like 90. Like, yeah, I, I, I can see that too. I mean, cause ultimately I, I, he just hasn't been a problem. So that's why I feel like, right. That, right. I don't think, I think he's, he's I don't think he wants to be a problem either. I, I would agree with that. He's not a guy that likes to stir up a lot of stuff, but at the same time, yeah, the fact that it started got started at all right. with him is, I think, worth noting. Simply because he has not been that guy. He has not been Stefan Diggs, where he likes to put stuff out there and just say, "I, I bet I can get him to wonder what I'm thinking." Mm-hmm. I mean, Dig, Diggs had fun with that. I, Hunter is not still that guy, does. so still does. Yep, <laughs> for sure, he still does. So, um, he has not been that guy, but the fact that some of this is out there at all and, and I, what I don't know either is uh, how much his agent is saying hey we got to try to and some of this may be posturing for that reason I mean, he may who knows his agent may have said hey why don't you go like a couple tweets just to, to get people yeah, talking about yeah. this and, but that'll get them going I mm-hmm. I wouldn't be stunned by any of that either so um, I, I guess I put it that low simply because I, I think the contract thing is real, or at least his desires to get paid are real. And they're not in the greatest situation to be able to do that, but it's the Vikings. They've typically found a way because Rob, Rob Brzezinski is very good at what he does. And mm-hmm. the other important piece of it is that if you want to go over the cap, the cap is not a myth. The cap is you can navigate the cap if you have ownership that is willing to spend the cash to go over it. And mm-hmm. The Wilfs have typically been willing to do that. I, I think even in the middle of a pandemic and they lost untold millions of dollars, I still tend to think they'll be willing to do it. Yeah, so, they're, trying, they're trying to buy a, an MLS team? They are, yeah. yes. Um, so I think they're doing all right. I think that's number two, though, because they have the one in Nashville, too. I think there's one in Orlando now. Oh, really? Trying, yeah. So they're trying to get quite the little uh, yeah, I think they're doing sports all right. enterprise going there. Um. We're almost done here, but I would probably be criticized if I had you on and didn't ask you something about Kirk Cousins. So um, Rick Spielman, as well, you know, in addition to his comments or lack of comments on Hunter last week, he made sure to emphasize that Kirk Cousins is the Vikings quarterback. He's the quarterback moving forward. Um, So what do you make of Spielman's recent comments about Cousins is the, and is there any scenario where you could see Cousins not being the Vikings quarterback next year? I guess I would put the odds of Cousins being the quarterback next year quite a bit higher than I did with Hunter. Okay, yeah. I, I, I just I think the way that they've gone about it and the way they approach the offseason, it, it, it would not make a ton of sense to me for them to really, without any widespread search, to make Kirk Cousins' position coach your new play caller when he's mm-hmm. never done it, and then promote from within uh, to to replace the quarterback coach in, in terms of Andrew Junoko. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I, I don't think that they would do that if they were planning some kind of wide scale change at the position. Now you could go get another quarterback who's played in that system. The San Francisco scenario where it's cousins for Jimmy Garoppolo comes up a lot. I just, I think they believe that cousins can at least make them competitive. And I think they feel like if we get bar back, if we get Hunter back, our, our rookies from last year develop, we have a chance to be <clears throat> back in terms of having a better defense that can complement him. And we still have weapons with cook, Thielen, Jefferson, Irv Smith, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, probably need a wide receiver three at some point, but that's maybe a conversation for another day. But I think he's the quarterback here. I think they also, uh, the, the other thing with him is he, he's not mobile. He's not necessarily a guy that can play off schedule. He's, he was better at it last year, but he is a guy that you know he's going to line up every Sunday. He has not been on an injury report since week one of 2013, and this has been a team, <laughs> this has been an administration that has had a lot of problems finding durable, durable quarterbacks. I mean, Franchise. the most correct. Yeah. <laughs> this kind of consist. they have not had this level of consistency at quarterback in terms of knowing who's going to line up every week since Dante Culpepper, probably. And that was for you know three or four years. And then he mm-hmm. blows his knee out. And I mean, you really, you could argue they have not had targeted since targeted. Correct. And, and you have in this administration, you have, uh, they draft the guy and watch his knee explode. Uh, mm-hmm. They trade for his replacement and watch a non-contact bone bruise, take him out for the season. And then you have the the backup that they almost cut in training camp has this <laughs> rocket ride of the season. And then you get rid of all three of them. So they haven't had stability at that position. They, they have it now. It's, is it spectacular? No. Uh, is it good? Yes. I, I, think he's a good quarterback I don't think he's a great quarterback so but I think especially when you're where they are right now where you have a coach and a GM that I think probably are looking at it saying we need to win to keep our jobs mm-hmm. it doesn't feel like the moment where you go blow the whole thing up and say hey let's start over now <clears throat> if you find the guy in the draft that you think is the guy for the future um, maybe you do it but this hasn't been a team that's taking quarterbacks unless they need one I don't know if you're going to find that guy at number 14. So I I would be very, very surprised if Kirk Cousins is not the quarterback next year. Yeah, you brought up the durability. That I think that's what makes me doubt whenever people bring up, you know, just, just you know, do an exchange with Garoppolo or whatever because sure. Garoppolo hasn't been very durable during his, no, enti- his entire career. So you're going to – the Vikings are going to – in a year where you mentioned their jobs are on the line, Zimmer and, and Spielman, they're going to bring in a guy who – might only play a handful of games and then they got to turn to maybe what Sean Mannion or whoever is the backup yeah. next year to be their quarterback to hopefully lead them to playoffs and save their jobs. Like I, yeah, it makes me hard to believe that they would do something like that. I mean, it worked once, I guess. It, right. If, right. Uh, if they hadn't gone to the playoffs in 17, I wonder if they would have kept their jobs after how 16 went, but all yeah. of that was injuries, but yeah, it worked once, but I don't think you're going to bank on that again, especially no. given the fact that, I mean, as you bring it up, the ability to pay a backup quarterback in terms of going to get somebody that's more established than Sean Mannion is not going to be terribly easy either. If they were, if Seattle said, Hey, um, we got Russell Wilson and we need, this isn't working. We're going to trade him. And I don't think there's any scenario where this would be on the table, but 
uh, let's trade the old combatants from Wisconsin and Michigan State. Um, do you listen to that? I, I would think so. Oh, yeah. Uh, Deshaun Watson is, I mean, and I know their, their previous coaching staff loved Russell Wilson coming out of the draft because they coached both him and Cousins at the Senior Bowl that year. Mm-hmm. So they, they have spent time with Wilson. But I, if something like that came up or Deshaun Watson comes up, do you do it? Yeah, probably. But the thing with Watson, too, is you got to turn the offense over to him. They, Cousins plays in the style of offense they want to play. Mm-hmm. He has been durable. Um, I, I think there's a lot of reasons that you stick with the Toyota Camry right now when you don't mm-hmm. go try to pay big money for the sports car. <laughs> I think at least that's how they're thinking about it. For sure. Um, so we'll close out with this. I saw that ESPN will be broadcasting in NHL games once again, and they're bringing back the old NHL theme. NHL yes, theme. they are. So I, I saw you're pretty excited about this on, on Twitter. So my question for you is, what are your top three sports broadcast themes? Oh, boy. Just three. Man, that's tough. Um, I don't think a lot of people would put that one in there just because people don't remember it, but that, that one is so good. Um, I would go... John Tesh, NBA on NBC. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, probably number one. Okay. Um, man, this is a hard. <laughs> now you got me thinking about this. Um, yeah. You got separate shows. Is... You got NFL on Fox. You got NFL right. on CBS, ESPN, Monday Night Football. You know, the old that. NFL on CBS that I grew up with. Yeah. Uh, and I'm dating myself here, but I like that one. Isn't that um, like the college football one now? Is, is it similar? It might, I think it's similar, but maybe a little bit different, but yeah, yeah probably in a similar vein. Uh, me hemming and hawing about this is a great podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, Monday Night Football has to be in the top three just because okay. it's timeless uh, yeah. and it still sounds great, I think. Yeah. Uh, so I would go those two, one and two. Um, the the Tash over M- MNF is going to be controversial, but I'll mm. stick with it. Um, <sighs> boy, I could... I could make a case for either of those, really. Um, I like the NFL on Fox. I like Sunday Night Football. I'm a sucker for the big production type things. Um, CBS College Basketball, I like. Um, Yeah, National Hockey Night, though. Yeah. That does it for me. I'm I'm just excited (laughs) that it's back. Um, I'm going to stick that number three, just because it's topical at the moment. I I would accept... uh, any number of differences to this list because like, like I say, I'm a sucker for, for big production. And, uh, I, I think I'll, I mean, they all, it's all meant to make you feel like, Oh boy, this is going to be a really big game. I better figure out and watch this. Let's set the stage. So they all do that very well. And, and, all right. Well, that was like the most significant thing you said on this podcast. Definitely. So, uh, <laughs> um, Thanks for joining again. Predictions uh, about Kirk Cousins. Let's yeah, yeah, yeah. Things about Monday Night Football <laughs> as, it, as it compares to John Ted. What? Um, where can people follow you on Twitter? Uh, I'm at Gessling Strib, uh, and everybody always looks at that as like, what's S Trib? We, it's the man. Most people Star know, know that's Strib Star Tribune. Yeah. So Gessling Strib. Um, and you have the Access Vikings podcast too. Yep, Access Vikings podcast is on iTunes, Spotify. Uh, Google Play, and you can get it straight on the website too. It's much easier to use than it had been. We just got upgraded the website and everything, but uh, that's there. And then, yeah, you can find our work on StarTribune.com. Cool. All right. So follow Ben on there. Follow the Viking Age on Twitter and Facebook. Subscribe to this podcast on the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And until next time, we will talk to you later.
everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.